No more clickbait, no more sound bites, and no more videos that are over before you blink. No more being told to click this or to share that because some people think you can't think. Choose a new way of doing things. Choose real people. Choose real stories. Choose the Real Talks podcast. Michael Quinn did something so many young people dream of when he became a professional sportsman and signed for Aussie Rules outfit Essendon. Plucked from Longford as an 18-year-old, he still holds the record for the fastest conversion from GA to AFL starter, ahead of the likes of Ty Kennelly, Marty Clark and most recently Kerry's Mark O'Connor. Incredibly, Michael made his debut in round two of the 2009 league after just one pre-season. His stint in Australia ended after three years, but he has since become a leading figure for Longford and one of the most respected GA figures in the land. Now 27 years of age, he talks openly and honestly about those achievements and what it was like to return to Ireland after experiencing such extreme highs at a young age. This podcast is brought to you thanks to the support of Kelly Bradshaw Dalton, who for over 20 years have been successfully selling, renting and managing property in the Greater Dublin area. Be sure to check out their website at kbd.ie, that's kbd.ie. Don't forget, if you enjoyed this conversation, please do subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud. We've already had over 21,000 plays and been listened to in well over 50 countries, and we'd love for you to join our online family. My name is Alan O'Mara, and you are listening to Episode 8 of the Real Talks Podcast. Wexford await for the winners at Dayton Croke Park. Longford have been there already this year. Here's Michael Quinn. What about that from Quinn? A wonderful score. And Longford draw level. Mickey, just obviously, thanks a million for, for coming on to the podcast. Delighted to be here with you today. Said over the last couple of weeks, it's been so interesting to t- chat to different lads, footballers and hurlers, just getting an understanding of their lifestyle and what it takes to get to where they are and, just, and why they do it and their love of it. To kick off this interview, and in the interest of transparency, I was going to clear up something because I don't even know if you'll remember this, but this is not the first time I've interviewed you. Over the phone? Yeah, do you remember it? Jesus is ringing a bell now. I interviewed you for DIT News back in 2009. Yes! That was you. Yeah, that was me. Uh, That that gobshite. uh, So that was was my first year in college, and you'd actually just left the college. And I was going to kick off the interview just by starting around that time. So I said, I sat, I, I, I gave you a shout 2009. I think you were just home from your first season in Australia. And I, I read the whole piece. I have printed it off here and you can take it away with you. It's an absolute masterpiece. <laughs> but um, no, let's start there. Because like, you were plucked from, from Longford as an 18-year-old to move to Australia, to Essendon. Um, professional football contract. Obviously a huge move. And I suppose, how did that come about initially or... Tracing that back now. Yeah, it probably started off um, in my last year minor. I said I was in college in uh, DIT and I said I'm going to give soccer a crack that year. Right. And I had given up Gaelic football. I said, the start of January, I said, no, I'm focusing on the soccer. I was playing with Bohemians under, under 17s, 17s okay. or 18s that year. I said, look, I'm going to focus on the soccer. And then as the year went on, I kind of said, I tried out for the fresher team in DIT. I said, look, all the friends were doing it, so might as well. So got roped in playing a little bit of ball 
with them and I kind of thought oh this is this is all right I kind of do this on the, on the QT and uh, then slowly got back in with the minors and from there went on and we did a good year with freshers we won the freshers and uh, got asked down to trials in Limerick for I think it was Carlton and Ian Ryan from Limerick and there's a few other guys from Clare down at it um, and got asked to go over for a two-week trial to Australia right. with Ian and two of us went over for two weeks in, I think it was August, packed the bag, sun cream and all, shorts, <laughs> the whole lot, the sun cream. <laughs> went out and got off the plane in Melbourne. I was like, Jesus, cold, what's going on here? Middle of winter, so right. <laughs> didn't do the research there. <laughs> but uh, no, it went really well and got offered a contract from that and said look this is what I was kind of looking for from from the soccer side of things um, and I just look at why not let's give it a go for two years it was a two year contract I said let's just go hammer and tongs at it for two years if it works it works and if it doesn't it doesn't still worked out what I was only gone 18 so if it didn't work out it was 20 it could always come back to college or come back I was going to be young so give it a lash and yeah didn't look back from then yeah, you mentioned there that you'd made you'd made a decision that you were going to go the soccer route or, or mm. try and explore that probably in more detail. But obviously, you've been playing Gaelic football the whole way up. So if you if you had that love for Gaelic football, was it was the ambition in you to try and be a pro sportsman? Is that something that you really wanted for yourself? I think so. I think I loved the idea of getting up and going training first thing in the morning and coming home and and just being finished in the evening like mm. that. Your day's work was was done, and that was your work. Yeah, it was what you'd love doing. Like whether I always said whether it was soccer, Gaelic, tennis, whatever it was, I would have done it. Just that that lifestyle. I kind of thought. I think you're gonna you get the better the best out of yourself in that kind of environment, um, and I think that's what I would have picked up from Australia. Um, like even see it now with with Gaelic football at the moment, like. You're just juggling job, lifestyle, commuting, um, family, friends, everything's going on. Whereas when you roll that into your job is, is, is that, is that like, yeah. you know, you can get that extra 10, 15, 20% out of yourself. And that's what I think I got with, with the AFL. The, um, even since the, so you're 18 when you make that decision to go. Uh, and also it's obviously, it's, it's exciting. There's a pro contract on the table and you're buzzing for mm-hmm. that. Was it still was it was it a difficult decision to make, or were you just adamant that I have I have to go and do this? Uh, not really, because uh, looking back on it now, I've even talked with family. I sat down with mum and dad and brother and sister, and was like, "Will I? Won't I?" And you're kind of like, it never was. No, I'm not going to do it. It was always, yeah, right. Let's do it, because I think. I was naive and young. If I was 21 and offered a contract, I think I'd sit and wait up a little bit more. I'm not too sure. Like, you know, if this happens, then, you know, maybe not. But uh, no, I think that naivety was what got me there in the first place and even probably helped me do well in my first and second year out there. Um, Just being able to give it a lash and not look back. Um, That carefree, young Mm. mentality. Because yeah, I remember when I read that, I read that masterpiece that I wrote back in 2009 <laughs> and just one of the quotes that just it sort of stuck out to me was you, you said it was a really hard decision, but it was one of them things where if I didn't try it, I think in a few years I would have always regretted it. Yeah. I suppose, is that still to this day the truth? Like, yeah, like I, I think so. And then you kind of look back at the three years and, you know, have you any regrets coming home? Like, and 
I think you'll always have, I wouldn't say regrets, but you'll always think, oh, maybe if if a little bit of a sway one way or the other, something might have changed. But I don't think so. I think things kind of unfolded the way they did and it kind of fell into place f- for the better for myself to be coming home after three years. Like, um, But no, definitely not no regrets in heading out. So, the, so when you leave, you leave the country at eighteen. What's what's your sort of exposure been to Gaelic football at that stage? Has it has it been underage with Longford club football? Where are you where are you at? And obviously, you played college first year with Freshers. Yeah, probably that that Freshers year. I was asked up to the Sigerson DIT Sigerson team that year, and I think it was when County Minor finished. I think we lost the Leinster semi final to Meath. In, at minor and I think Luke Dempsey was the senior manager that year and he asked me up to asked me up to the senior panel as well but I kind of it was a once off game I think they were in the qualifiers against Leash and it was the week before and I think against my better judgement I kind of said oh, just just too much going on like it'd be only going in for the sake of it mm. for a short stint and I kind of didn't feel like it was the right thing and so I, I Declined that, but that was as far as I had gone. Was okay. up to county minor level, yeah. um, and then when I came back, it was you know you've made that jump from from minor straight to senior, um, which probably uh, took me the O'Byrne Cup and the few league games to probably find your feet in it. Like, um, which I was surprised coming back. Like fitness wise, you kind of think, yeah, this is you know I'm going to be flying Grand. around the place, but. When you're slogging through muck and everything in January and, and that, it's it's a different ball game. I, I'm, I'll, I'll come back to that decision of coming home and, and that integration back into to Longford and, and even just the Irish society. But I suppose in contrast to that muck and that slogging, what's what's your headspace like as a as an eighteen year old walking down the steps of a plane and in Australia going? I'm here. Like, wh- wh- where's your mind at at that stage? Um, well, the big thing was where's me. Fucking bag, like I got off the plane, first trip over to um, Melbourne, and how many stops was there? I think it went London, uh, Bangkok, Melbourne. This got, is the trip over for the actual yeah, move you're going so over. This is contract signed, heading yeah. over for pre season, starting in a couple of days' time, and arrive and standing waiting at the carousel for the bag to come out. Everyone's picking up theirs, moving on, no sign of anything coming, and nothing. I was like, oh. What's going on here now? Um, so I stood for a good half hour looking. No sign. No sign. So went over to the Qantas desk and my bag hasn't came out. So I filled out a form and they were good enough to provide me with a toilet bag with a pair of pyjamas and a toothbrush. So, so I arrive out <laughs> to a guy from the club who's collecting me with a Qantas bag with a toothbrush, <laughs> a face cloth and a pair of pyjamas and a bit of carry-on You're luggage. All you're traveling light. <laughs> I said, yeah, um, bag never came. So. <laughs> so, yeah, he brought me back to um, the family I was staying with. It was a Tyrone family okay. that I was staying with, and uh, they were the same. I was like, oh. So, arriving into a house with no bag. And so, the first few days were a bit manic yeah. um, waiting on that. But, yeah, it was kind of, it just added to it. Like, yeah, it's obviously it's extreme novelty and it's it, yeah. it probably is in one way. It mightn't have been the dream that you, you had planned, but it is still the dream. Exactly. That'd be fair to say. Yeah. But um yeah, what's that sort of whirlwind like then of settling in and, and, and trying to bed into that lifestyle? Yeah, like it kinda 
looking at it now, it's kind of like, geez, it's difficult how how I actually done it. I yeah, you're be. a long way out of your comfort yeah, zone there. Like. But I think when you're young and you're just carefree and you're going after it, like, you know, you're living with a, you've decided to live with a family that you've never met before, mm-hmm. decide to fly halfway around the world and play a sport that you've never played before with a group of 40, 50 guys you've never met before. And then it starts to further down the line that that naivety, you start to see later on then, oh, maybe these guys might be a little bit resentful because you're an Irish guy and they're Australian and, you know, do they actually want you here? Mm-hmm. Are they going to support you? Like, you get a little sense you of had those, You would have those I kind of legs. thought towards, further down the line you kind of get that, but you're kind of selfish and I think that is the thing with most sports people that you kind of have to be selfish and you're not worrying about what others are thinking of you. You're kind of worrying about yourself and that's it. Um, you know, if, if I'm playing well and I get a spot in the team, it's because I done that, not because I'm oh, poor him or you know, he's unlucky to miss out. You know, you take your spot when you get a chance. And I think that was, you kind of flip from one side to the other. Uh, sometimes you're you're being selfish and you're solely driven on that. And then other times, maybe when you step back and you're looking and you're like, that's that seed of doubt in your head. And maybe that's not a good place to be either. So mm. trying to find that balance. Yeah, and even, like in reference to that balance there, like... I said, you're, you're a very young man. You're completely out of your comfort zone. It's, you're in a different world, really. Like, are you coming in your, in your own head and just trying to get a better understanding of what the mindset is like at that stage? Are you thinking, like, great opportunity, experience a different country, a different culture? Or are you coming with the blinkers on going, I have to make this? Like, I think I was just so... The, the blinkers were on so much that it was kind of like, give me the ball, I want the ball. Literally. Do you know, let me... I want to kick that. Um, <laughs> like... And then as it kind of went on, um, because you're, you've never played the game and you're playing with guys that have played it for, since they were three and four years old, um, you have to have something different. And I kind of, the more I played, the more I realised that they kind of had to have something different to make you on a level par with them because your skills aren't probably going to be up to scratch as good. Yeah. Yeah. Fitness, you know, fitness is fitness. You're only going to be getting a couple of, percent either way there so it's your decision making or where are you on the strength side out of interest pardon where are you on the strength side strength not really um but that was something i discovered over there that i was always a full forward um before i headed over right and when i went over and started doing all this fitness training 400s and 800s i was testing my second year i was probably top five fittest at the club i was like Never knew at this base before. You didn't know that. I was quick. That's all I did. I, I can run quick. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'll, I'll run and I'll sprint quick. Okay. So I started finding. You discovered that engine. So yeah. yeah. So that's why I kind of turned into a utility player when I came back out around the middle. But uh, yeah, it's it's something that you needed that flair. Um, so unexpectedness. What you're mm. going to do with the ball? This Irish guy. What's he going to do? Okay. But then as time goes on, it's like be predictable to your. T- teammates but unpredictable to that position I was like okay okay and you start to overthink these things I think that's probably where the tactics side of things and that being predictable you kind of you fall away from that flair and that naivety that got you where you were Um, and that's what I kind of felt that probably playing structure 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 Mm. and I think Gaelic football has gone very similar too like I think on a team of 15 you have two or three flair players. The rest are kind of 
Play to the structure, play to the structure. Don't make percentage on the ball. But at the end of the day, it's the flair players that will do something that will win you the game or possibly lose you. But it's a better position to be in rather than sitting back and getting five minutes from the end of the game and saying, oh, we better do something yeah. now. So I'd like to consider myself maybe one of those flair players that will try and make something happen rather than be safe. And at, at, at the start, you're obviously picking up a new game. It's it's a huge transition, but being given that sort of freedom and abandonment, did that suit your sort of your, your mentality? And did it make it sort of more enjoyable in a way? I think so. I think so. Like, and I made my debut round two, so I was kind of just thrown in at the deep end. And expectation, you know, just go out and enjoy it. Yeah. Just getting the ball and do what you do, running off the half back line and um, give and go. And I played it like it was Gaelic football. I popped it, went for a return, sure. and it worked. Um, you know, just selling dummies, you know, into your second, third game when they're not buying it, they know you inside out, then you're like, oh, right. <laughs> I can't do that again. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you learn you learn quickly yeah. um, in that environment. You, you, you touched upon and you mentioned the debut there because I think you're obviously, there's a whole lot going on. You're in a new country. You, you went to pre-season. You said you've got the blinkers on and you're, you're sort of you're yeah. going after this, but you sort of take to it like a duck to water and it probably... Does does that debut come quicker than you expected it to? Probably because I just was solely focused on getting up, going training, and yeah. getting up, playing games. It I didn't even think about it. Like everyone kind of says, "Oh, when you set your goals at the start here, when are you hoping to make your debut?" It's like I wanted to play a game as soon as possible, yeah. and that was it. Like you know, I wasn't setting the marker around mid-season or in my first year it was like ASAP I'm just going to play and do as well as I can and just go with it from there Um, so yeah it kind of it it did come quicker and looking back on it was it was it a help or a hindrance it's hard to know Mm. Um, like I probably played round two and then the following week I got I got a, a vomiting bug and missed out in round three and I was included for round four after that. And parents had flown over for that game, but I still wasn't right. Energy levels were drained and everything and had a, a stinker of a game. And then it was kind of like, oh, he's, he's just not ready. So I was put back back then for the next 10, 12 weeks into uh, the, the second team of VFL and try and get the form back up again. Um, and then got in for three or four games towards the end of the year and played a finals game as well. So, like, it was a great finish. Um, but I kind of done things backwards. It was six games in my first year, two in my second, mm. none in my last, which is, you know, am I going improving or getting yeah. worse here? Like, cause like to, put, to put this into context when I'm just listening, like, so you move out late 2008, um, so you're doing pre-season 2009, you're picking up a whole new game, you're a young Irish lad, you're playing a game you've never played before and you make your debut in the second round of the league, professional league. It's not as if you're making your, your debut in a reserve league or a second thing, like or third or fourth division, top level. Um, like, and I think you hold the record for the quickest tran- like the quickest transition from GA to, to AFL ahead of the, the likes of Ty Kennelly and, and Marty Clark. Um, like, there's obviously just loads of different factors. But I remember talking to you, I remember talking to you when we did an interview late in 2009 and you did seem... You touched upon it there. 
you seem sort of frustrated that there was a high and then it didn't build on from there that it sort yeah. of came back and was that was that difficult to digest I think so I think that is the the tough thing that you know if you do have a bad day um it kind of the fact that you're Irish is like ah oh, he's he's just not up to it like you know you could go out the following week and have an absolute cracker with the second team but you might have to perform five six weeks like that to say okay he is ready again so that that is the thing it's your highs and lows in sports like and being consistent um you know your your best and your worst there can't be a massive gap in between you've no consistency and it's the same mentally then it just drains you if if that's the way a massive high of playing well and a low of kind of not having a great game like you're trying to balance that um but i i think that was the, the tough thing with it games week in week out kind of performing but that's what you want too like um you want games every week um and that's what i enjoy too like you kind of moved on and just try and build on it the next week on the men like on the mentally draining side like being there and really only being there for one particular reason which is is to play the game is whereas you've come from a place where it's probably a lot more balanced you're in college you're studying soccer Gaelic club college yeah. you know, there's lots of different things was that hard when sort of if you become unidimensional or everyone to call it there's just one sort of particular thing or did you have other stuff going on around you that, that helped you balance it out I that was something that I think I probably fell down on that I didn't have enough outlets away from it Um in my first year, I think that's what helped me the most. It was just solely focused mm-hmm. on just straight in. It was the club, get up, go, like even days off, pop up to the club too. Like, um, But then second year in that, you kind of needed a, a different outlet. You needed, you know, you have your mid-season break there where you have a weekend off, you're finishing on Thursday, you have a Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. I was like, right, what am I going to do? Um, and I probably... I stopped myself. There was a lot of guys that would have headed back to the family and do bits and pieces. Mm. And you know, what do you have at that stage? What are you doing? Yeah, like I just sat around and maybe pop into the city and do a few bits on my mm. own. Like, um, whereas oh, wouldn't it be great if you had another network away from the club mm. um, that you could build on. And that other network, I would have met up with a lot of Irish people. But it's kind of one extreme to the next. Like the Irish that are out there and touring and traveling. And yeah, it's. You know, you're out there trying to stay away from that side of things. Mm-hmm. So it's it's finding that balance that can be difficult. Um, I see Mark O'Connor making his debut today, sure. like so, um, and it's I think it's round six, um, and like that's phenomenal. And something that he had that not too many other Irish guys have is the two in the one club. Mm-hmm. So I think Zach Tui there with Geelong too, which is a massive help. Like that. Having having the outlet is or have or not having the outlet obviously didn't lend to a to a balanced lifestyle. But was was there any other difficulties with that sort of move and and, and that spell when you look back? To, like is there anything that you you would say a change or do you have anything like that? When I was out there, yeah, um, yeah, probably. It's family being so far away from mm-hmm. home. Um, I think in my second year, management came. At the end of my first year, I came and spent, I think it was around Halloween. So in the off-season, they popped in, popped down to the club for two days in, in Longford. Um, they stayed the night and down to the local for a few mm-hmm. pints and had a bit of fun with them, which was great. Like, kind of, I felt going into my second year now that, 
this kind of there's an understanding there like they're behind me um, yeah you have a platform to go from yeah, as well and then I think it was in Christmas came home for Christmas and flew back out in January and I remember getting a call was it, I think you called it Wednesday or Thursday morning from home that my grandmother had passed away okay. I was like oh no so I'm miles away How, what's going to happen here am I going to get going home what am I going to do so got the call at about half six or seven that morning and we were in for I think it's match simulations or that so the dogging session of training okay. so I was like right I'm just going to put the head down here and trained done the training session and was just spent at the end of it and went into the player welfare officer um, after the session and told them and from there he told management and I had a flight organised through the club in the space of a couple of hours I was flying out that night at 10 o'clock and it was just that was the kind of environment that I came into that the club was just you felt that the club was behind you and supported you and um, I said take take the few days fly home be with your family so I flew out that night and got home it was great um, and the club were, were behind me so I came back out and I'd only missed probably a week um, but you're back catching up after that whereas in my third year management had changed okay so Things were different then, and both my other grandparents had passed away in that that year, um, and I didn't didn't get going home for that. And I wouldn't say resentful for it, um, but you're kind of like things were different in that year. That this is the third year in, in my third year. That and it kind of that was something that swayed me. Like that that club feel, that feel that mm. they were looking after you, um, or that you were on your own now was something. That, that kind of really crept up that I had to deal with this stuff myself rather than they were supporting me and helping me out. Um, so that was difficult and it was probably a factor and helped me make my decision to, to come home. Yeah, because even as you were talking there, and so obviously the, man, the previous manager has brought you out, so in a way, and I'm just reading between the lines here, you're sort of a bit of a pet project for him. It's his gamble, he's looking, exactly. he's giving you his debut. So yeah. there's a bit of respect and a bit of a bit of care for there but I suppose when a new manager comes in and some, and even from a GA perspective I'm trying to understand the professional because yeah. everyone always talks about the pros of being, or the, the, the pros of being a pro but there's also downsides That's when a new manager comes in do you go back is it just that feeling that you're just a commodity and a piece of meat That's you're just yeah. you're just a number now again 100% um, I, I would have found that and you're kind of starting from scratch again where it's like okay I have to prove myself mm. which you know that's normal you always have to kind of prove yourself but it's like where I was after coming from I was after in my second year I got player of the year for the second team mm. like so player of the year for the second team I'm kind of expecting now I should be on a senior list contract um, which never came because management had changed um, so when management changed I sat and waited and am I going to get a contract, am I not? And I got offered a, a one-year rookie contract then, so just an extension. Mm. It was like, looking back, that was probably an area that maybe if I was someone in my corner fighting for me, that I might have got a two-year senior contract yeah. rather than just a one-year extension, that things might have been different then. Okay. Um, that's something something with you the think, change in management. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Yeah. No, I think there's always going to be those uh, the what ifs. Yeah. Just because I will move on from this this phase of, of life now because I know it's, it's a couple of years ago. But just around the start, because I know, and I mentioned to you before we started, that there's, there's people listening to this podcast from all different parts of the world. Around 
the homesickness aspect of it, and because obviously you remember, you, you mentioned the death of your mm. grandparents, and that was probably the first time it really it grabbed you, um, or maybe it wasn't. Yeah. But I suppose coming home for the Christmas, which is a time everyone would associate with coming home, and then going back, but then actually coming home again, do you feel a pull or, or a drag at that stage trying to trying to guide you home, or are you still, in, in your head, are you still, no, no, I'm, I'm back? Well, that's the hard thing because Christmas I always found everyone's off and it's such a good time yeah. and it's it's great. Like, um, all you want to do is be be around that and you kind of forget when you're flying out. You're you're flying out fairly early in January, and people are still off mm-hmm. and you kind of see, oh no, geez, this is kind of it's it's hard leaving now. Um, but once you kind of you get back into the swing of things, then I think the season is well laid out that you know. It was all broken down. You had four weeks in January there where if it was going to be a grind, yeah, tough that's training. Yeah, pre-season slog. Yeah, but you knew then games were going to come after that and you kind of t- took it in chunks like that. So if there was four weeks in January, then maybe you're into four weeks of kind of pre-season games and then usually I'd have mum or dad or brother, sister, or even girlfriend coming out to visit me then. So you kind of... You're always taking things in chunks that oh, I'll have someone coming out visit me now or I have a few days off in three or four weeks' okay. time. And that was kind of how I broke broke things down. But it, looking back on it, I was always always trying to get to the end of the season to get home, mm-hmm. which I don't think that's that's probably the right mentality to have, that yeah. you know, you're always taking in those blocks. And then when the final block came, I was like, yes, on the plane, I was flying out two or three days after we were finished, get out of there yeah, as quickly as possible rather than, you know, enjoy the time and maybe sure. spend a bit of time with some of the other lads. Yes, I have two last questions on on that phase. The first one is, and you mentioned the contract scenario there and the extension of the rookie contract. So people like myself at home would have been reading the newspapers at the time. You see, like, um, Michael Quinn's after making, he's the fastest person to make his debut from Ireland, pro contract, he's playing the AFL. People are thinking, like, oh, pro baller, money, like, yeah. sort of, like, like, Obviously, you don't have to mention like specific numbers, but what are we talking in around that time, like financially? What, like, how are you um, set? Like, not look at it's you know your your average wage. Mm. Um, obviously, when because you're on a rookie contract, you're just like the rookie contracts have improved a good bit since my time. Um, they've came on, but you're still talking just your average wage, and you're getting by. With, with that, like you're you're doing what you love, so you don't really mind. You're not you're not making a kidding on it. But uh, when you make your, your games, play your first AFL game and there's bonuses yeah. because you're on a rookie contract and you're after being stepped up to a senior and you're getting a, a match bonus for playing a game, you're like, yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorted now. But, you know, you play one or two, but that changes. Like, And then if you're back to your rookie contract and you had those bonuses in your first year and you're like, hold on a minute now, yeah. I'm not... Not doing as well as okay. I kind of thought. Um, so it's it's not when you when you do get past the first two or three years, like, and you move on, that's when your your next contract will be. Hopefully, you can build on that. But I probably never got to that stage. Okay. And the last question that I was going to ask then at that stage was, like, you and you mentioned that you're doing what you love. Did you love it? Um, or at times when the season was going difficult, or there was there was there was struggles. Was it harder to stay at it because it wasn't the game that you'd gone up playing? If you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I loved the training. Um, I loved that. I loved the lifestyle. The, yeah, the yeah. training from Monday to Saturday, and then when things got difficult, it was, it was the games on the Saturday or Sunday that kind of made things 
tricky then, you know. You're up at up early on a Sunday morning, um, you're getting ready. It was just a long day mm. for a game because AFL games, what if the game's at two o'clock, you're there probably two hours before. So you're there at twelve o'clock. Um the game takes about two and a half, three hours, and then you have your recovery and meal after. So it's just that that bit longer than GA, you know, it's a full day and then you're trained after it and go again. Whereas if you're getting that reward of probably playing your the game that you love on on the Sunday and I did there was times when geez, I loved it but then it crept back into it's like oh this is a slog here now mm. you're, you're GPS on the back and you're covering 18 kilometers or 15 16 kilometers in a game and you know you're just run 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 um, and to do that week in week out became became a bit of a chore well, I think like it's does it become a job like it does it mm. does and then you know, are you mentally strong enough to be able to do that week in, week out? Um, because you you don't have that love. Um, that was that was the tricky bit, like. Um, but yeah, it's it's difficult. It's funny looking back on it. Um, it must you, seem like a lifetime ago in some ways, does it? It, do, it does. It does. Like, uh, and just was that me that was doing it? Because you you change and you grow up a fair bit from then. Of course like, you do. Um, but I think it, it would have made me a better person off the field um, experience and that because uh, like to, to live away from home, like moving to college in Dublin the year before, it was like, geez, this is big, going mm-hmm. to college. And then the following year, like, right, I'm off to Australia. Good luck. Good luck. Um, so <laughs> it, it's, it's a, it was a massive step. Um, and it probably, it, it did make me stronger and better for that. So... Making you making you stronger and better. What's life like? What was life like integrating then coming back home? Was was that difficult in any way, or were you glad to be coming home? I think I was glad to be coming home. Right. Um, yeah, like I, I think things things started to get um, get a lot difficult, a lot more difficult with uh, just being away from home and probably girlfriend at home as well and family and you kind of like you know. Can I see myself? I probably didn't set myself up that am I going to be out here? I kind of, it was, right, I'm, I'm in Australia for nine months a year, but I'm at home for the three months. So, do you know, the three months were kind of, so from, boom, 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 finish up in August, September, October, end of August. So you've eight weeks at home and then a couple of weeks at Christmas. They were the kind of ones that I was, working towards I was I was living in Ireland but away in Australia kind of yeah. thing so um, looking back on it I probably didn't set myself up enough that this is where I'm going to be based we had actually like in last week's episode with, with Noel Connors we had a brilliant conversation around sort of identity and as an, his was an intercounty hurler how is your how is your identity and ego feeling when, when you're coming home and integrating back into if it's home or in Dublin or wherever like genuinely how, is, how was that like yeah, like it's, do you know, I, do you see yourself as, oh, just was it a success or was it a failure? Um, and you're kind of like, I kind of always saw it as, do you know what, I'm, I have the record for the quickest debut. That's something now and kind of, it's, I hope it's not taken away from me, but it's something that I have there. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a tough one to beat. And I done that myself with hard work and, and giving it a lash and, because of that, I'm kind of like, yeah, well, look, it's definitely not a failure. Um, it's kind of just another phase in, 
in my career, sporting career, whether it be football or AFL or soccer, whatever it was, it was just another stepping stone. Um, so you do question yourself, just could I have stayed on for another year? Or, you know, even in my third year, should, should I have applied myself more? But I don't think so. I think whatever path I took, it was, it kind of steered me back home in my third year. Um, and I was quite happy to do that. Um, and looking back on it, I'm quite quite happy with what what I achieved. Um, sure, it'd be always great to achieve more, but mm. um, you kind of have to take take the good out of it too. Definitely. The other, like, suppose because I think so. You make you make that debut. I said you have that record. It's an amazing. Let there be no doubt about it. It's an incredible achievement. Like, but I suppose like, when that happens, I'd, I'd imagine texts are flying in, calls are flying in, messages are coming in from everywhere, telling everyone telling you you're great. Yeah. Um, and when sort of what I'm trying to get at is when you come home, do you feel as if people's do you worry about other people's thoughts of you or are you just in your own head at that stage? Um, not really. I think I think the fact of being from Longford um, and doing that, I think, you know, it's it's a bit different. I think first one ever from Longford to go out, like mm. if, if you're from a bigger county and maybe it's like you're coming back and you're coming back into a setup where you know, he wasn't able to, will he be able to make it with Dublin or Kerry or whatever? It's, you know, more challenging from that side of things that, and then you look at it from the flip side, you're coming back where there's a chance of winning All-Ireland. So um, I, I never really looked at it that way. I think I probably was just focused on probably that naivety still or that carefree, just wanted to play play football um, and just go at it. Like, I think he went... When I start or when most people start to worry about what others think mm-hmm. or that's when you you know you're you need to pull your head back in that you know just do what you think is best for you and not worry about others um because I think that's when it becomes tricky you're you're overthinking things and I think I would be an overthinker um you know did I do this right or you know you're you're getting caught up in stuff that you can't really control um I think that's that's the tricky bit. Yeah, because the, the reason like the reason I was sort of asking in around that was because I know myself, I would have lost an identity and I would have lost myself a little bit just as an intercounty footballer as a young man. Um, and so obviously I just thought it might have been a bit more magnified coming from from that achievement and that professional space to, to step back. But it strikes me as you seem to have had a good sense of, of who you are, that it was an adventure, that you enjoyed it, but that it was also... Did it feel as if it was it was over and you were and you were glad to be back home now? I think so. I think it was it was kind of right. I wouldn't even say it's it's funny. I was going to say that was a chapter that I've moved on and that book is closed. But I still think it's it's not really closed in the fact that it's it's made me a better person, better player from it. Um, but it was it was time to move on. I think probably coming back into. Um, the Lamford setup then with you had Glenn Ryan there and Podgy Davis were involved in management at the time and I kind of I slotted straight in into the team setup um, and I just I think I think Glenn kind of had an idea of where he wanted me um, so it, I had a kind of position had you an idea of where you wanted to be not a clue no, no. like um, like obviously full four and that is the, the dream to get back in there at some stage um, but <laughs> even now you'd like to get back in there I'd, is it I'd like to give it a lash and see um, but no I think I came back and centre back from playing in the half back line 
out there in Australia. Coming on to things. Yeah, it it suited me. Um, but it kind of out around the middle. It, with with an engine now, it's like I was fit. He has to be out around the middle. Um, and it kind of helped. It helped with that. That, you know, from the very start, pre-season, that was kind of, I knew where I was looking at from football side of things, what position. Um, and even that my first year back in Ireland, that was my first full pre-season. Mm. And I haven't done a pre-season since because just with college, with other t- clubs still going. You did the full slog. Yeah, it's just year to year. So um, I think that kind of helped too, that you had the pre-season building and building uh, behind behind closed doors. Do you know what you were saying about the, when you first went out to Australia and sort of that carefree abandon and the flair, um, and the, that expression, carefree stuff? Do you get do you get to do that again when you come home? Do you feel that or do you feel expectation and pressure out of interest? Um a bit of both like it's kind of like oh what's he gonna do now um you know you have that that unexpectedness but because you've been involved in such a high setup you know he should be doing the right thing the whole time um so but i think it's your decision making really in in football or sport that's that's what you're doing you know i think what let me down at the very start was probably not been able to execute it. I think I knew what I wanted to do, but wasn't able to do it because of skills and that. But that came then with, yeah. with practice. Um, and that's what I really enjoyed. Like, And I could I could see that. Um, I knew what I wanted to do, but I just wasn't able to get there just yet. Um, so that was that was. Been able to see it as half the battle. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> the, um, so getting back, put like, so even something like, Something pulled on the long for Jersey at senior level, which is obviously something that would have been on your mind as a kid. Was that even though you'd started, you'd said about soccer, mm. you obviously would, you would have, you would have thought that and considered that possibility growing up, would you? Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. definitely. So, what that, was it like to do it then when you come home? It was, it was special. Like it was something. Like I grew up going to to games with dad, um, long for games, watching Paul Barden. And mm. I was like, he was, he, he, was, the, he was the idol. Yeah. Um, Charles Fuller. He was exactly, and I came back, and that was the big thing with my first year back. And I think he was one of the ones that would have helped me improve and become. We both got nominated for an All Star mm. that year. Um, That's twenty twelve, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it was it was no coincidence. I was going out to training, um, marking him and training. I was coming in. He was after scoring one four off me on a Wednesday night, yeah. giving me a skin on a Friday. I was coming home. I even had chats with Glenn I said oh, I don't think I'm a centre back Glenn I'm not sure about this but then you go out on a Sunday and I was motoring and going really well and, and doing well in the position I was like okay Do you know like I appreciated what Paul was doing long before that yeah. but the, looking back and now it makes me realise like you know he was he was the top of the top like I was getting skinnings and training but I started to realise, okay, well, that's Paul. Like, you know, am I going to come up against someone like that week in, week out? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So I think he made me better and I hope that I probably helped him along sure. on, along the way in that year too. So you're, 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 you're playing all that year and obviously there's, there's the there's the O'Burn Cup slog and there's, there's league as well. But even on Championship, who did you make your debut against? Uh, it was actually Leash, Leash was at home in Lanford, and I think. What's your memories of that day, or what's the feelings, uh, emotions about that? Yeah, it was a, a, a cracking day, and it was I think the first time we won a first round in Leinster in four or five years. Okay. Um, 
So yeah, that was that was big, and we had a fantastic year in two thousand and twelve, and. That's the thing with sport. It was kind of like, oh, this is great. This is my, this was like every year. Yeah, that's, that's what gets you up. Yeah. And, you know, this is, this is it. Like, you win your county title and you nominate for an all-star mm-hmm. and you're getting to, to play five, six championship matches. Like, you know, next year we're going to push on. Like, but it just doesn't work that way. Um, and that's, that's the tricky thing. Yeah, it's something, and you would talk to lads a lot about it. Like, that is, but frustration is probably the right word because, like, let's just say we've been talking about AFL earlier on, so we can we can stick with that. And that, like, if you have a bad season, you can make trades, you can bring someone in. Yeah. We can say, oh, we haven't been getting much scores, so we're going to bring this guy in. We're going to change this. We're going to change that. Like, the how it's obviously it's, it's also what makes it really brilliant. Like, but has has the GA sort of has that ever frustrated you at times as well over the last couple of years? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, there's there's. <laughs> I think more so than it should. Um, it 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 is very frustrating. Um, like I used to see myself now, like oh, like you're kind of teaching now, and you're like, oh, get to the summer now, and I'll have that little bit more time, I'll do that few little extra bits. Like it's you mentioned it before. Um, it's it's time management. It's trying to to juggle everything. Um, like it's it's great. Like um, being able to to play and work and 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 keep everything going but are you getting the best out of yourself as a player or in your work or in your relationships with your family and that you know you're coming home you're dropping the gear bag off or you're having dinner and you're out the door again like it's go 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 um and to be actually able to to sit down and, and relax and get that rest time i think that's the thing with with gaelic football being able to sit down and and the rest and recovery that's that's the only thing that's lacking mm. in it to make it better is players being able to to see that okay we need to switch off and, and get away from it for a while because between work and everything else that's that's the tricky bit yeah the, the word balance is one it's certainly something it took me a long time to find and it's literally I think it's come up in every podcast that we've done <laughs> so far and the most interesting thing that actually because I, I I've thought about this a lot over the last couple of weeks as I've had these conversations is the most interesting thing is that everyone talks about balance but everyone sort of finds it in a, di- in a slightly different way so exactly, there's no yeah. like I can't you know you couldn't give me a leaflet and say here you go Alan there's, a, there's how you have a balanced lifestyle yeah. or I can't give that to you you sort of have to you sort of have to learn it the hard way like don't you? I, I think so yeah I think so like it works for some people you know having been real organised and having the schedule and been able to plan well in advance, but you know, oh, we have a wedding come up now in, in in July, and you know, am I going to be able to? Oh, is the fixture list going to fall mm. into place here now? Will I be able to go? And just I can't commit that far ahead. We go off. Is that is that a, is that one of the big frustrations in contrast to say the AFL season, which will be very structured? It's mm. penciled in round two, round three, round four, whatever cup week. I don't know what, but like it's very structured. There's your weeks off. You can have your life those few weeks, yeah. but then I need you here. Is that one of the most frustrating things that you that you find with it? Yeah, I think probably maybe it's just myself too that oh, fear of commitment to, to something that you can't follow through on. You know, oh, yeah, we'll go away on holidays mm. then and that weekend. Hold on a minute, now we have a game coming up, or yeah. you know that change. Like things do change, but that's that's the way it is, and you kind of you have to just get used to it and adapt. Like ideally, you'd love for that to change, but it's not going to change anytime soon. Um, and it's frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Have Definitely. you given Have you given up on that change in any time soon? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. Mm. Um, do you know, unless unless kind of players step up and say, no, look, we we need things to change, but I, I can't see it happening in the, in the next year or two anyway. Yeah, no, it's a hard one. It's just, it's, again, it's one of those things that all the lads talk about as well. Um, it just because it's trying to help with make it easier to find that balance, I suppose. Yeah. But obviously we've, we've we've hit on one or two of the frustrations <laughs> there, um, and I'll not let us go off on a big negative <laughs> rant because we've been here for about an hour, me. <laughs> but uh, I suppose what's because uh, I know like we, we and we spent quite a bit of time talking around, um, like the spell in Australia, and I thank you for that because I think there's a huge amount of learnings there, and even you cl- you clearly have taken a massive amount of perspective and. And understanding from it, but what's been sort of for you? What's been the big positives of, of coming home and spending the last five years here and playing with your county? And how has there been positives? I presume that. Yeah, definitely. Jeez, it's um, like there's something there. Being, being involved in different teams, like everyone talks about um, when you're young and just you know player burnout and you're involved in so many different teams and you know that's tough. He's playing for five or six different teams, but. Mm. You're playing with different guys, like and you're playing for love as well. Yeah, like you're 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 meeting different guys there. Like you're playing in in college there in DCU now, and you're playing with guys from Dublin, Cork, Kerry, Leash. Like you're playing for all these different counties that you know you're never going to get that chance in a different environment to play. Like you know, if you just settle and you're playing with Longford, you know you're just playing with the Longford guys. Playing with the different teams, like you're, you're, you're still learning, and that's what I enjoy. You know, your your club, your county, your college, um, your Leinster international rules. Like you're, you're getting snippets from sure. everywhere, and you're always learning and playing with different guys and picking up bits and pieces. And that's what, what I really enjoy with, with the Gaelic side of things. That you're, you're always playing with different people and learning different bits and pieces. Yeah, you get to it's, a, it's a massive. It's massive for I don't networking is the business word like, but actually yeah. just building a circle of people who you can have relationships with that you can trust with. Exactly. Um, and I think, I think that's one of the things that does get off and get overlooked is in terms of the, all those different teams. But there's also from a from a personal perspective, never mind getting involved, not worrying about your body or your groins or anything like that, yeah. but actually your personal development. I think getting involved in those different circles socially is is really beneficial for for oh, a person. Definitely, like when you sit down and watch a match on a Sunday, and you're you're watching someone play, and you know, you're watching with family or friends or whatever. And, oh, that fella, he's a fun. I was like, ah, he's not actually. He might be in the field, but it's actually <laughs> he's grand like. Skin, like, and you you like actually watching people that you've you've built up mm. as you said that network and you've met people and you, you kind of keep a close eye for each other and you're like just good game today or whatever and you you kind of still stay in contact and you you enjoy seeing people that you've played with do well and perform well i suppose moving away from the football and the sport and things how how is life for you now in general um because we've talked about identity and balance where are you at and, and what are you up to yeah it's it's as as good as it's ever been um engaged now settling down and um, looking to build a house doing all the mm. all, all those things all those grown-up things all those grown-up <laughs> things yeah when i'm talking maybe it's not i talk about naivety and carefree Jeez, things are changing very quickly where we look to build a house in longford uh, yeah, yeah hoping in longford and that but yeah look i think uh, i'm in a really good place Um good people around mm. me Um do you know and and that's i'm enjoying that Um it's exciting times, you know, you, you go through different phases in your career, whether 
you know, when I came back, I was, I was still young enough. I'm trying to think what age I was when I came back. 20, 22, 23. 22, yeah. So I still that kind of young, young player coming mm-hmm. back, breaking in, into the senior team. Um, but in the space of a year, you're a mature player. You're Because you have that experience, yes. you're, you're fast-tracked to, yeah, he's one of the regulars. He's... Leadership um, role as yeah, well. Leadership role. So... And I think I've had that for a long period uh, because of because of the AFL. Um, and I think I've enjoyed that. Um, and I've enjoyed the next phase at the moment of young guys coming in and, I would say, taking them in under the wing. Um, but, you know, looking, looking oh, that's what I was like when I first came in. And, you know, I enjoy that leadership role or that kind of helping others um, and helping them along the way. And those... Taking those lessons that you've that you've, you've picked up from on the field and training and, and going away, do you feel that makes you a better teacher as you are? Because obviously you're you're qualified now and stuff. What are you teaching your uh, PMS? Yeah. Um, do you feel that adds to you from that perspective? I think so. I think you know between coaching, between just your experience that you, you have a greater understanding um, and of the, the leadership role that you, you can offer to, to lads. And probably lads will, if you're teaching them, they will look up to you and, and listen. I suppose that is something that definitely does help when you're mm. teaching. Um, and I, I enjoy that. I enjoy kind of passing on what knowledge I have or what experience I have because, you know, there's no point in, oh, that's the way I used to do it now. I wouldn't do it. You know, like you have something if you have an experience there that you feel that will help someone else or you've done it something this way like between coaching and, and playing that's something that I really enjoy and I think I I would and will hopefully get involved in the coaching side of things I was helping out with Sigerson this year mm. um, at the start of the year with DCU and uh, I really did enjoy it um, it's tricky when you're still playing yeah. and you're playing with and against some sure. of these guys, it, it makes it that little bit difficult. Um, but it's something that I, I really enjoy doing. Um, and it's it's tiring. It's as tiring as playing, mm. but um, it's getting that reward out of it. I think there's there's still a similar enough reward out of coaching as playing. It mightn't be the, the exact same thing or the same buzz, but I think you'd have to get it from somewhere. One of the questions that I that I did want to ask you on the teaching aspect was because I know Sean Cavanaugh was in the papers a couple of weeks ago saying that he was concerned that GA players are attracted to teaching just to help suit their their playing. Um, and I suppose is, is teaching something you see yourself at long term, or do you see it as a stepping stone, or how do you feel about that? I suppose to wrap that into one question, how do you feel about that cliche that GA players just become teachers because it's anti to play? I think there is there is that um, that aspect to it. I think. She's definitely, you know, whether it be half of players that get involved in teaching and get involved because of the convenience and the summer's off or the holidays. But I don't know, I think I have I I have that love to probably teach and help others and you know, as you said, help others be the best they can be or improve. Um, whether it be in a football side of things or in the classroom or even, you know, away from it, kind of just sitting down and having a chat with someone mm. and you know, helping them out. Um, that's something that I really enjoy and it's probably part of my ad- identity um, that I like to do. So for me, it definitely isn't. Like, it's, it's convenient, yeah, definitely, yeah. after that. But, uh, like, I enjoy working with others and helping and 
second after that it does it does help like whether i can see myself in teaching um for until i'm what 65 or that mm. i i don't know i think <laughs> there'll be a few hairs pulled out by then but it definitely be involved in you know helping others in some shape or form yeah i think like the big thing of that one is, is that it's not as if you're you're in a job going i'm just doing this because oh, it just suits me for now and, and you're grinding your teeth going i don't want to be here like yeah. you like it yeah. Um, and it suits for for lots of different if it's if it's helping other people if it is for training and during the summers off and yeah. all but there is a like there's enjoyment there as well yeah. I think is really important. Oh, there has to be like if 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 there wasn't you wouldn't have that balance like you know that we've talked about you know you're turning up for a job that you don't really want to be there. It's not healthy. Um, you know, and you're expected to turn around in the evening and go and train and play well. Um, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. You kind of have to have a happy balance off the field. And I think. Gaelic players and even through the GPA and through um the top teams that's something that is starting to really guys are starting to understand definitely is and I think more people are are stepping away from jobs that you know, they're not happy in um they're not just settling for you know I'm getting paid it's, you know it's a job I'll get through it it'll you know pay the bills that you know if you're not happy in what you're doing don't you know, try and do something mm-hmm. about it and I think that's something that I think people are especially Gaelic footballers are starting to realise that kind of need to do that rather than than settling for for a job for the sake of football or, or other reasons yeah it's a, like that's for me that's a brilliant point that you've just touched upon because I think a lot of lads are are living up to that fact and most of the lads on that have been on the podcast so far are do fall into that calibre where they've, they've done something and said no actually I want to do something else and for a while so when I was younger I would have you can counter-argue this or, or feel free to push back as well. Because I wanted to be a professional sportsman as well, so soccer was the thing as well. I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to try and do that. But then I suppose you fall into gate of football, fall in love with it, you get exposed to all these highs and you know different different opportunities and different things. It was great, really added to my life. And then as a young young man in my 20s, you go, oh, I'd love this to be professional, like this would be class, was professional. Yeah. But I'm actually, I've sort of come full circle and I'd just be interested for your perspective on it because you've sampled two different mm-hmm. sides of the pond as well. And that, I think as Gaelic footballers, particularly with the supports of the GPA, which which have helped so many of the lads that are playing at the moment and that haven't that are that have finished playing, I actually think we get the best of both worlds in a way. Yeah. I think we get to play in front of big crowds. I think we get to represent big teams, to be on telly, to do the media networking side, to meet loads of different people, to play high level sport. But also that while all that's going on, if you're tuned in and if you if if you sort of waking up that other fire in you. You can also be very successful off the field too, and I—that's something I've said I've come full circle on it, and I really appreciate it. And I'm actually I'm way over to, way over to here this morning. I was listening to a podcast myself, and it was Niall Quinn was talking to Richie Sadler on the second captain's players interview, and it was brilliant. And he talked about that transition out that he needed someone. He said he wished someone had gotten three years before he finished, right. and, and it got me thinking that. Well, I've actually been able to do this when I'm in the middle of it, yeah, and things are going really well something I've learned to really appreciate and I don't think you appreciate it when you're younger um, and I just thought I'd put that to you in terms of what your take on that is and, and how would you f- how would you would feel on that point yeah like I think that it's what you're saying it's spot on because I think to go out and play in a game on a Sunday and you know a championship game media TV or whatever else and then Monday morning you're in in the classroom and you're teaching and you know you're tired and you're battered and bruised and but you know, it's kind of like 
Superman, you take off the clothes, out yeah. you go, that's it, you're a double job, like, mm-hmm. um, and that does add to it, it's like, oh, there he is walking down the street, he was playing in front yeah. 80,000 the other day for, for the big county players, um, do you know, like, that's, I think that's the the culture, or whatever you want to call it, with the GAA, that it's, um, I think that's what makes it that little bit special, mm-hmm. um, that it's you're not untouchable. Gaelic players aren't untouchable. I think that's the difference in probably your soccer's and uh, you look at the Premiership. It, there is that, you know, if you saw someone buying a liter of milk in the shop, a soccer player, you're like, oh, wow, he drinks milk. Like, whereas Gaelic footballers, you know, you can you just see them out doing their thing, mm-hmm. like, um, and it's it's normal. Uh, I think that that's something that's special about it, and um, whether I don't think. The professional side of things, you're you're missing out on that. Like mm. if you went solely focused on on your playing career, you know the rest would suffer from you know your career away from uh, sport. Uh, so, be, by being having that balanced lifestyle and juggling both, it's something that if you can do it and get your your time management and sure. your head in order on and off the pitch. Which it's easier said than done. Like that's that's the toughest thing to to get that first. Um, is the hardest thing. But if you're able to do both, um, you know, there's nothing better. Well, that's I literally was just gonna I was just gonna ask you that point and that because I said I feel grateful that we have it. That's not to say that it was easy or it's hard mm. to find. And I just think in terms of like in terms of the GPA and the work they're doing, it's. I wouldn't have been able to do it without those supports mm. um, in terms of if it's life coaching. And I know one of the big things I took from the conversation with Noel Connors last week is he, he talked about that. The going to a, going to a, if it's a business coach, a lifestyle coach, whatever you want. And I think the phrase he said was like sitting down with someone who just didn't give a fiddlers about hurling. Like, you know, and yeah. it was just like about him, what he was interested in um, what he wanted to do, what he liked, but away from the other side. And have you, have you benefited from that process as well? Just out of interest? I think so. Like even... Even just benefiting from talking to someone um, about, you know, as you said, not football or not hurling, um, that you're actually talking about, you know, you as a person, you know, what are you good at? Oh, you know, I'm good at kicking off my right foot. No, no, what, what are you good no, at? Like, what, what, what do you like? And that's something I like to help others or I like to, you know, I like the coaching and teaching side of things, you know, I like talking and chatting, catching up with people, not just... You know, if I, if I turn on my right foot, I'm really good at doing this. Like, mm. you know, the football side of things, when when you can get past that and put that aside, um, that, you know, there's more to get a football players than than just that. Um, and that's when you start to, to really enjoy. We always, there was a guy in, in the club in Australia and it was like, you know, if you get your life in order off the field, you know, the rest will come on field. Um, and it's kind of like yeah grand grand yeah. but when when you nice start to realise right yeah, it millions. sounds good doesn't it um, but it's so it's true, so true like, um, and the more you kind of go on in your career the more you realise that um, and that's that's the thing you know whereas usually most people put it the other way around and I, I put my hand up and I think I am I'm the other way around at the moment and I probably need to strike the balance going the mm. other way looking at my my career away from um, football rather than football career. That when you focus more on that, the, the football thing, football side of things will kind of fall into place from there. Um, 
Yeah, because it takes me, as you said, that actually takes me all the way back to when you said about the third season where you're getting caught up in the tactics and you're overthinking it. Whereas for me, the reason sport was invented was to play it, was like to express yourself, to have fun, to mm-hmm. play on the edge, to kick scores if you wanted it, to get tackles. And I do, I do think that we can get caught up in that. Yeah in that cycle a little bit and it's just again I go back to last week's episode with Noel he mentioned me just getting back to enjoying it and, and lads enjoy different things in different parts of yeah. the game and the, just just following off what you said there around um, when someone says to you what you're good at because uh, I think particularly as sports people we can get caught up in if you're good at something keep doing it because it feeds your ego people tell you you're really good at yeah. it and because people tell you you're good at it oh I'll keep doing that because I'm good and I get claps yeah. in the back but sometimes you have to step out of your comfort zone and, and try something new. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Oh, definitely. And like, I think that's, that's the enjoyable part. Like by, by being pushed and, and trying different things and new things, that's, that's the fun part rather than, you know, playing to structures or, mm-hmm. you know, why not try something different? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, if, I, that's, that's spot on. Like, um, I think kind of get caught up on that um, trying different things like that's that's what it's all about um, giving it a lash and if you can hold up your hand and say look I tried that it didn't work um, rather than focusing on your results or mm. you know look we lost by a point because I went away from the structure I tried doing this and you shouldn't have done that um, <laughs> so you're always going to do that but no definitely one of the probably one of the last questions I'm just going to finish up on, Michael, was obviously, I think, you're still only 27, but I think you've had fantastic life experience from all different from avenues and, and, and just different just different takes and, and different environments that you've been in. Is there a big, is there sort of a, a big lesson or something that you've, that you've learned along the way that you take with you that sort of informs the sort of core of you now and where you're at and, and where you're hoping to go? From looking back on it, um, you, you're going to pick up little things along the way the whole time. Um, like just being open to, think, being open to try different things and just listen. Really, like probably going out and taking up a new sport um, and asking questions and and just feeding off other people's knowledge rather than, you know, sometimes you go through phases like. Oh, why is he doing this? I think oh, I do it this way. Yeah. You know, I know better. Like and that's ego and that's pride yeah, that's, as well. Yeah, that comes in like, jeez, oh, I'm not sure about that. I'd be setting up something like mm. this. You know, and that's when you start to think, oh, no, no, step back, get out of that kind of coaching mentality that you're still a player. Like you know, buy into it and you know, learn from from other people's knowledge. And I think that's that's what I found I really enjoy um or when you play your best footballers when you kinda you're feeding off others. Um do you know how how many years left playing inter county? You know, it's it's tough. The way things are going, I think that that age is slowly dropping. Um you know if you're if you're playing inter county at thirty you're doing something right or something wrong. There's only I don't a few which over, it is. There's only a few still over at this stage. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking and thinking, geez, could I keep doing this now mm. for another few years? Um, like it, it does become harder. Um, the older you get, I think, the younger guys are definitely find it, find it an easier environment to be in because you probably don't have as many ties. Mm. 
the last the last question I have for you then is around because even I've, I've heard like it's coming at that time of year where there's leaving searches and there's exams and stuff um, and you know you'll hear you'll hear the stories of parents saying like you're not allowed to play that now for the next two or three months you're not allowed to do this um, I suppose just taking the positive finished on a positive note in terms of sport do you feel that's had a strong or positive influence on you as a person and your life and where you're at now is that something that you've, you, you, you felt and that you, you'd appreciate massively massively um, like I think there is even um, I see from from the teaching side of things um, a focus a focus on just one particular sport like I think that's what I can always look back and say I've free taken off the ground when I was younger um, I think that came from you know help from soccer mm. background you know you know, you pick things up by tackling from AFL or high catching. You know, by playing different sports, and um, whatever sport you choose in the long run, you're gonna learn from that. And um, like a bit of basketball there as well. Like, I think there's probably a focus now to to specialize in sports from an earlier age. Like, and do you think it's gone too young? Definitely, yeah. Like you see guys at the moment, like even county minor, like. Probably you want to be specialising from sixteen, seventeen mm. on, but before that, you know what's wrong with playing basketball on Monday, Gaelic on a Wednesday, and it's something else on a Friday soccer and enjoying it along the way and enjoying it. like your in game situations, helping you make decisions, helping you basketball with your handling, soccer with your footwork, Gaelic with your catching and kicking. You know why not? Um, if gymnastics or whatever else like that's probably the teacher really coming yeah. out of me now um, but I, I really believe that you're going to improve as a sports person in whatever field you pick by doing that um, and probably I, I think I would have definitely personally Listen out we've been talking for the, for the guts of an hour there a little bit over but just to wrap up things obviously just want to first of all thank you for your time oh, Thanks very um, much Thank you for your honesty and sharing a lot of those insights and lessons that you have I think it's an amazing perspective that people will take an awful lot from and one of the, one of the big things I'm always discovering is life lessons you pick up from from sport or from whatever tends to carry across to other, oh, to other areas yeah. um, and just just thank you for sharing that wish you the best of luck for the season ahead because I know we're coming into the busy time and the sunshine's coming out and the, the ground's hardening and I'm going to look forward to seeing your Blisters white boots everywhere. again <laughs> and, uh, but no I wish you best of luck on the pitch but also best of luck off the pitch as well I think um so very interesting perspective and take on things very interesting personality and I've absolutely no doubt be a coach and teach and whatever whatever you go to do going forward that you're going to make a, a good fist of it so thanks again for your time and we'll talk to you further down the line thanks a million I really appreciate that cheers James, thanks a million ever since I started the Real Talks podcast series this was one conversation I immediately hoped to have and I want to thank Michael for his honesty and time and indeed for sharing many of the lessons he has picked up on such a remarkable journey. Make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes by heading over to realtalks.ie to subscribe to the show or just search for Real Talks on whatever platform you are listening on today. There you can also find previous episodes with the likes of Tipperary's Brendan Maher, Dublin's Kevin McMenamin, Armagh's Jamie Clark and Offaly's Niall McNamee. If you want to get in touch, you can get me on Twitter at AOMTheCat or through RealTalksIRL. And once again, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Kelly Bradshaw Dalton, for supporting this podcast. Check out their website at kbd.ie for all your property needs. My name is Alan O'Mara, 
and you've been listening to an episode of the Real Talks podcast. <laughs>